the people square, they don't really do that very much anymore. But, um... Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Um, this is a very impromptu People's Square. I'm going to talk to uh, Trey Garrison, or Spectre, um, about the Waukesha documentary that everyone has been talking about. So uh, if you haven't seen it yet, Frank, um, it, play it if you can. Yeah, we in Wisconsin. with a knife incident that morning or something? Absolutely not. So just one second. Let me switch out my uh, my headphones here because they're not working. So I got new ones here. One second. So uh, so that that is quite amazing. Uh, uh, fr- from the director Robert Rundo, the uh, the famous director, uh, reporting from the far right. <laughs> no, but um, <laughs> lot, a lot going on there. So first of all, um, tell me exactly what this is because a lot of people. I mean, I know what it is, but a lot of people are asking, like, oh, well, this is coming out of the blue. What the hell is going on here? I mean, it's it, it, just give us a well, kind of roundup of what it is. Well, it's not really out of the blue, and it actually was, um, I mean, days after this happened. This happened on the 21st, Sunday evening. Um, the National Justice Party leadership were talking about whether they should stage some sort of, you know, in-person protest or – get behind the idea of putting together, you know, partnering with Media to Rise and funding a documentary about what happened. And they kind of split the difference and decided to do both. So as you know, because you were at the protest, uh, they turned out about 50 guys or whatever it was that, you know, really got a good reception from the people there. These are really good, just practical Midwestern German stock people um, out there that are, you know, uh, even though they have been watched in the same media environment as, as the rest of America, they're practical. They're willing to listen. They're not willing to uh, turn somebody's idea away just because they've been uh, 
contaminated with some buzzword uh, negative feedback loop. Yeah. So literally the days after Thanksgiving, uh, myself and uh, Greg Conti from the party uh, got met up with Luca and Mason from Media to Rise. Uh, we drove out to Waukesha, met up that Sunday night and um, laid out our game plan. And it was going to be part uh, one part Roger and me because we knew we'd get some pushback. We knew we'd have some trouble getting access, but that's yeah. part of the story is the cover up. Um, but we also were like, you know, let's just go with as hard as we can, as professionally as we can. So those guys, you know, they shot incredible B roll. They shot some incredible uh, interviews that we did. Uh, they're objectively we, we, great filmmakers. Luca absolutely. and the other guys are objectively excellent camera guys and excellent journalists, Ex frankly. Very much like camera old guys. school vice um, kind of gonzo journalism, which is a lost yeah, art. Now, now all all that style of journalism is just some fucking, it's just uh, all um, essentially internet commentary. This is original reporting that's being done. So, um, yeah. yeah. Well, and that's Go what ahead. I want to say about those guys, uh, Luke and Mason. Uh, in, in and of itself, their skills with the camera and their skills with editing and production would be huge assets and that's all you could expect of someone in the field and that's been my experience a lot of the times when i've done this kind of reporting um you know implementing multimedia but they also brought a journalist mindset to it um, we were bouncing ideas off of each other and playing off each other you know uh, i have my own background i was representing national justice and th these guys really brought a, a sharp edgeness to this uh that really i think is going to be shown in, in the finished product but we hit the ground running at nine o'clock, and by like, well, I think it was about eleven o'clock, we had already gotten the first interview with Daryl Brooks. Wow. Literally, no other media had even tried. Now, you know, you can say, well, obviously the national media wants to cover this up; they want to downplay it. So why even bother sending somebody in there to talk to them? Right. Yeah, but and there's local media. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. Go ahead. So what? So ha I mean, don't get into details, but you, you just showed up and you're just like, we're the media. Let's talk to Daryl Brooks, which is actually common. Well, what did his lawyers say? <laughs> uh, we didn't actually have to talk to his lawyers. He was in custody. So we just put in our request to talk to him through the jail system. And within like right. 10 minutes, 15 minutes, because it was a uh, Waukesha and like 91 percent white, very peaceful, small suburb. And the jail was virtually empty, as far as I could tell. There were like two people trying to get, you know, other other visits besides us. We didn't have to say that we were journalists. We just put our names on the list and, and got in there. And Brooks and Brooks was was told what what I mean again. Don't go into details. We don't want to spoil it. But um, what what was it like to talk to Brooks? Like what what's going on with this guy? Like what, what's well, it his was deal? it was something we actually encountered with a lot of people, and maybe it's I don't know what it was. But um, he told us at first that he was not – he was told he, he shouldn't speak to anybody. And we just assured him, you know, like, we're not lawyers, we're not prosecutors, we're not police. We just want to talk to you. Right. And we can, we can, and <laughs> I'm sorry to say, but I picked up a whole lot of techniques over the years of persuading people to talk to me as a, as a journalist. And some of them are as simple as like what you get from cop shows, which is we can't help you if you don't talk to us. Journalists, and, Jews, yep. tomato, tomato. <laughs> okay, I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. I use the tools sometimes, Definitely. but um, he just started opening up. I think he had been in isolation for a week, um, you know, from the news, from anything else. He, um, I think that that day or the next day, it already broke that his uh, appointed public defender, um, 
had had to step down for conflict of interest. Basically, he was friends with somebody who was injured in the car attack. This uh, is how tight this community is. Right. So I think he may have been in between PDs. I'm not saying that um, he was he was obviously given the advice not to speak to anyone. But you would think that, you know. After he had talked to us the first time, he might have gone back and talked to his lawyer, but that didn't happen. Sorry, mm. but, you know, that's not my fault. And, you know, that's just so the way I want to know. I want to know how the police chief came to the conclusion that he was fleeing a knife fight when Daryl Brooks himself will tell you he didn't. I mean, did you guys get any answers on that over there? No. How did, the that, how did that narrative start? Um, as far as I know, it was picked up originally um, as a report attributed to a senior police official, unnamed senior police official. Um, and it was, I think, the first big name uh, pundit, uh, opinion maker, whatever, was Essie Cup who picked it up. But it went out, I think, um, to some na the national uh, wire service type media, Associated Press. Now, the question becomes, if you're reporting something that's factual or is reportedly, allegedly factual, and it's something as simple as the fact of there was a report of a knife fight that this guy was fleeing. That should be very easily verifiable, and that should be attributed. You should you don't grant anonymity to a source to tell you something like that. Right. So to me, that says that was made up right off the, right off the top, or it came from the police, and they just didn't want to attribute it to anybody because they didn't want to have the blame oh, fall. Later. They made it up. Yeah. Yeah. Someone they, the police made it up, or the media made it someone up. Someone in that pipeline, that information pipeline, made that up. Because yeah, if you go, if you, I mean, all you have to do, it literally, and, and you guys showed this, is meet Daryl Brooks and ask him, and he'll tell you point blank, it's not true. So yep. that that alone is, is a fucking scandal. And and you were telling me, too, that you guys were the first media to, to, to ha show any interest in talking to him. Yeah, that's right. Amazing. They, this, is, this is weeks after it happened, right? Two weeks? Uh, it was one week. Uh, it was a week and a day after okay. it happened. But if if we're going to assume that the national media wants to quiet, you know, put the put the blanket on this, quiet everything down, of course they're not going to put any effort into interviewing Brooks or stretching the story out beyond what is minimal to be to report as a follow up. But you have local news, and local news is always hungry for a story. The Milwaukee TV stations, the Milwaukee newspaper, the Sentinel Journal, the Waukesha Freeman. You had – we were at the memorial five days out of the six that we were there. Every time we were at the memorial, somebody was doing – from one of the local news stations was doing a stand-up, talking about the need for healings, talking about the need to come together. And obviously that's important for a community after uh, you know a, tra a trauma like this, right? But there was no call yeah. for let's look deeper into this. Literally, I, it, it, the, the drive from the Waukesha Freeman office to the county jail, we actually checked it. Is like less than seven minutes, right. and assuming that the traffic, the foot traffic in the jail was the same way it was for us, it was maybe a fifteen-minute wait to get to see Daryl Brooks. Yeah, what reporter's not going to bother getting the first interview? Who's not going to try to get that? Amazing. Amazing, unless they're under orders. We can't keep this. We can't let this, you know, spread any further than absolutely necessary. Right. You know, Keep the, the this, focus on the sorrow and the healing. There, there's, there's actually, you know, that there's a. Um, there's a big scandal in Italy. I'm sure people have seen this on the hyphen um, where Italian media is up in arms about the, the murder, likely race motivated murder of, of an Italian Ph.D. student 
Columbia University PhD student who was killed at random by a black uh, with a kitchen knife. Black didn't steal anything, no history of mental illness, and he also attacked two other white people. Um, and Italian media is 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 kind of tearing its hair out right now. There's there's a, a, a lifelong communist columnist who writes for a left-wing newspaper that came out to condemn the New York Times, saying this murder happened in the heart of New York City in Manhattan. Gruesome murder of a, of a foreign student, uh, likely race motive. And the New York Times gave almost no information about the attack, about the attacker, or nothing, and they're they're essentially saying that the American media environment is isn't any different from any other totalitarian country. They're saying that openly saying in Italy that America has an anti-white media, and I think this goes to that is that we don't know what's going on in our country because our media is not responsive. It's not. Uh, it, it's entirely ideological and only reports and lies by omission. So the fact yeah. that Daryl Brooks has never been interviewed um, in a meaningful way, except by you guys, is uh, kind of a damning uh, indictment of the mass media and the local media, at least back in the day. Local media, and I, when I say back in the day, I mean three years ago. Local mm -hmm. media would have actually gone there and gotten a story um, and even they are controlled now. So why why wouldn't you? I mean, it's it's that or you know cover the school board or the tax planning commission, or well, you, you, know, you as a you as a, a, a career journalist actually um, award winning career journalist. You probably have seen the, uh, the 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 decadence of the media in real time, haven't you? Oh yeah, the, the way it's become politicized and just it's it's gotten to where. It's 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 too far to say that it's politicized at this point because that ship sailed a long time ago, yeah. and, and I'm not even talking about oh this leans left or leans right. I'm talking about the entire purpose of publications and the stories they do and the stories they don't do is to direct the national narrative to support the the, the Zog agenda, right? But beyond that, what has really suffered and it's actually in some ways more insulting to my soul as a writer that they've gotten so bad at it. The writing yeah. is fucking terrible. The grammar, the, the syntax, it's like – and they over-explain things as if they're talking to children. Now, right. it's always been said that we write at the eighth grade level because that's like <coughs> a common man's you – know, that's like sure. a good common median to reach younger uh, informed readers and maybe people who went into trades who dropped out of high school. And, and it also right. – you know, it's, it's keep it simple, you know, but not to where you're talking to – like you're talking to children. And you see it in the way they uh, – Add really unnecessary adjectives that are very, very telling adjectives. Like um, a common thing is uh, when they talk about uh, – and I'm not defending the, the whole stop the steal or anything like that. But they they describe the – the uh, Trump's claims without evidence that this or the unfounded, the, the scientifically disproven racial theory of right. this or that. It's just they, they throw these in there as if they can't even speak of something unless they're denouncing it with the adjective that comes before it. Yes. Opinion so, seems to have overwhelmed straight news reporting, even on the local I, level. You know, once upon a time, like I said, local media could be a little more objective, a little more informative. But even that has been poisoned. I think part of it is um, 
that they're not profitable. And so they they rely more on kind of um, benefactors and advertisers and so on to support them out of goodwill. And those people are only going to support you if you're carrying the ideology they they want. So that's another problem. But anyway, uh, let's uh, let's talk about like um, the different people you interviewed because it wasn't just Daryl Brooks. You guys no. interviewed a ton of different people um, to try and get all the facts in the story. So just give us a, a couple of, uh, of little anecdotes, if you can, about that. Well, and this is where these people are just uh, – that, that practical uh, and just very open nature of these people, these Midwestern types, the, uh, these these Germanic descended people, um, really comes in handy because you know they'll him and haw at first because they kind of want permission to talk about something. and Or they'll even say, I can't really talk to you, and then they spend 30 minutes talking to you. You know, letting yeah. you let themselves be interviewed. And it's right. great. And they're very open. And once once you give them that permission, and that was something we saw <coughs> when we were doing man on the street interviews and even when we were doing um, interviews with local political leaders, which was we introduced ourselves as independent media covering this as a documentary. Mm-hmm. You know, we weren't trying to get anything salacious. We weren't trying to get clickbait. We were trying to actually get to the story of what happened here to talk about the community and how they were dealing with it, to talk about what happened. And what can be done to prevent something like this ever from happening? Now, the first reaction that anybody, any normal American has when the media comes and sticks a camera in your face or even calls you up and says they want to interview you is you're just going to assume it's some left-wing twat. Right. Right? Yes. And so considering these are very conservative people, uh, Waukesha County is overwhelmingly uh, Republican and, like I said, white – we had to kind of start by the way we asked them questions, give them permission. And once we did, it opened up. Like when we said, don't you think that this could be construed as an anti-white attack? Oh, it was absolutely an anti-white attack. I talked to a senior county uh, Republican official who once I talked to him a little bit to talk to him about or, – or I gave him like a few of the points that you had raised in your article um, that went viral. Mm-hmm. He started virtually quoting your article. Wow. He was talking about Math Boy Fly. He was talking about the rap lyrics. He was talking about the Facebook post and knocking out white people and knocking out old white yeah, people. Yeah, he saw it. He, saw, he it. saw it. Now, how it got to him, I don't know, but he was reading your article, and that's how much of a, a difference it made. And he might, you know, when this comes out, because he kind of opened up to us, he might think, oh, I've got my head out on the chopping block. I need to stick to the politically correct thing to say, which is, well, this is a tragedy. We're getting through this. We're healing. We don't know the motive yet, blah, blah, blah. Right. He, he put his neck out. And he should be proud of himself, but it shows you that all you got to do is give the average white person permission to speak what they actually know is true. And this, at the same time, the kind of pressure that that article put out there that put it pushed it pushed uh, the right buttons that Florida uh, governor and 2024 likely front runner Ron DeSantis. While we were there, like a day after we talked to this county GOP chairman, I, I guess the pressure had been getting on him enough and he wanted to kind of get in front of an issue. And he said this was an anti-white terror attack. Yeah, I was like, and DeSantis, this is because of what NJP and and Media Rise is doing. Right, and, and DeSantis is uh, notorious for being terrible on racial issues, and uh, he said this nine days after the attack. So that's not a coincidence. That was a reaction to a combination of uh, critical reporting uh, that you were doing at the time, um, and. Uh, that we had been doing before and the protests there. There's, there's no doubt about it. Anyone who says different is uh, 
is just simply in denial. That's exactly what happened. We put pressure on the conservatives to say something about it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you saw the delayed reaction, which shows you that it was under pressure. You have to pressure them to say something because they will not say something on their own. That's why when they, people that say to defer to Republicans, it's like, OK, so you're just deferring to I mean, they're 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 not going to they're not going to do anything for you because you've already given them what you want. So, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, and on top of that, when you have pressured them into saying something that you want, do not sit there and praise them. Then no. you pressure them harder. You go harder yeah. because going hard at, is what got yeah. you to the to that point. I look at what I, I look at what uh, what the people that get what they want out of the GOP do. And all they do is insult and mock them. <laughs> yeah. So, so conservatives want to be insulted and mocked. That that's what gets you things from them. Um, well, so, and, and yeah. I was gonna say, and then one of the things that we also saw was like people on the street we talked to. We talked to this one lady. Um, she was not at the parade, but she had a friend that was at the parade. Um, she was one of the dancing grannies, and um. We, you know, we talk to her about it. You kind of do the softball questions first to kind of get people to open up to you. And then you start hitting with the, the harder, more difficult questions mm-hmm. and give them that permission. And she didn't want to quite go there. And she said, well, I, I think I heard that he had been in a knife fight. And I was like, would it surprise to know, you know, would it surprise you to know that we talked to Daryl about three hours ago and he told us there was no knife fight. He was not running from anything. Amazing. Yeah. And just the look on her face, just like, holy shit, yeah. I lied to. Right. Did you show her the actual clip of him saying I wasn't in a night fight? Uh, and we didn't have it at that point. Oh, I mean, we had we had it. Saying, but, you know, it wasn't yeah. available at the time. You know, we went again, straight to jail I think, the memorial. I think they quietly, you know, what they say, they shout the lie and whisper the retraction, and that's what they did on this. Like a lot of people still think that he was fleeing from a crime scene, um, and that was completely made up. It was a narrative that the system made up to obfuscate the racial motive of this crime um so what were the so were, were a lot of people really uh kind of standoffish about talking i know you said that some of them were, were opening up after you talked to them a little bit so. um we talked to some of the county supervisors which is i guess like the equivalent of county commissioner or, or county uh director or whatever it depends on what your state is um, we tried to talk to the mayor. That didn't quite go as well as oh, might so expect. the mayor. Just real quick, the mayor is the guy shutting the door in your face. Yes, <laughs> right. <laughs> I got my Roger and me moment out of this thing. Um, look at Luca, and, and I was me. legitimately asking him a question. I, I was like, he said, "Well, I decide what interviews I do." And I said, "Well, is there? It, how could there be anything more important to talk about right now than this?" And I was right. going to say, you know, sixty people in your, you know, sixty more than sixty people injured more than you know six and counting dead would you have a, a, a zoning commission to go to what right. the fuck right but uh that's yeah, that's amazing like, yeah and and uh, and luger was telling me that <laughs> the mayor was getting a workout trying to close the door <laughs> <laughs> yeah well I mean, you know well, what does he have to do he has to go to the fucking the the, the the cow fart convention like what what else is there to talk about other than this terrorist attack no, uh, it was amazing. He, and, and he was he in his hurt. office alone. It, it wasn't like he was in a meeting. He was in his office alone. That's why he answered his own door. Why Why you get so weird about it? Did, did he just not like your questions? Well, uh, I don't know how much I should mention about this, but we okay. pretty much went through the phone directory of all the uh, county supervisors. And one of them that I called, 
asked for a little bit of background on national justice and media to rise. And we're honest journalists. We're not going to hide anything. So we got it to him. And I got a phone call that we got at least one half of it on camera later. Uh, we were standing by the memorial. He calls me. And he didn't appreciate anything he saw on that website because he's Jewish. <laughs> he said that. He said, I'm Jewish. And I found the site highly offensive. There's anti-Semitism and Holocaust denial. Now, I, it, it took me a second or two to go. You know, I'm not even sure that there is any Holocaust denial on the on national hyphen justice. No, it's not. It's not denial. It's fact checking. But fact checking. Yeah. Okay, I was like, well, I I I remember a lot of news stories. I didn't remember that one. And then uh, he proceeded <laughs> to pitch he, me out. Someone said he had to go to a hot dog eating convention. That's what. Someone yeah. Said. God. He was yeah. a big so so um, here we have another situation. And then he lectured me when I when I tried to get off the phone. I was like, "Well, okay, I understand, uh, Mr. Supervisor. Uh, Shabbat Shalom." He's like, "Oh, it's you. don't say that unless it's a Saturday." And I was like, "Oh right. God, oh God." So so again, this goes to the heart of the problem in America. You know, so you have the black police chief who, who has a BLM supporter, huh? A BLM supporter who made his officers yeah. kneel before a mob. He's a, he's a black police chief that is partial to the politics of the terrorists of the of the Black Lives Matter terrorists, and then you also have the uh, the mayor who's a Jew. So, who represents the people of that town? Is the question. It's a ninety five percent white Gentile town, and this is not being uh, reflected in their leadership. So that's. That's the big problem here. This is another issue of why it's so hard to get facts, information, and advocacy for the people that live in that town to get justice for what happened. And uh, and you have this moment, um, judging from the trailer, where he reacts like a child to uh, very common sense questions about yeah. what happened to in his town. And that's his job to be the spokesman of the town. As mayor, well, was, you are the spokesman of the town. Well, that was he one thing. Want to answer, oh, you, guys, you guys, you got, you said something about the Holocaust once on your, on your new site. Oh, God. You know, give me a fucking break. Well, and I, of course, if in the hypothetical, I'd like to just be able to ask him, um, well, okay, so you can say what you will about us, but the, what does it say that we're the only ones actually looking into the interests of the people right. that you claim to represent? Who actually care about this enough to look into it? Because we talked to a few Republicans that tried to pull the same race blind, um, blame it on urban things and and and, and Democrats. And he said, uh, you know, look at Milwaukee. Um, this is spillover crime coming from <coughs> Milwaukee. Right. I was like, this isn't spillover crime. This isn't like a, a you know a, a black mugger wandered into a, 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 a you know an adjacent white neighborhood and mugged somebody for a change. This was a guy who drove 30 minutes, 30 yeah. minutes. And I want to uh, everything. OK, wait, let me before I even go into talking about this guy's motive. I'm going to preface this with all a blanket alleged. Yeah, and this is my opinion. These are not facts. I'm not I'm a journalist here. I'm not trying to be I'm either offering you my opinion. and It's only my opinion. <clears throat> or if I'm trying to state facts, these are alleged facts, alleged by the evidence, alleged by the police charges, alleged by the records that we've, you know, we've gone through. Mm -hmm. But allegedly, this guy had to get in his car, drive 30 minutes to a suburb that has only, I think, three exits 
uh, going out the, on that that uh, interstate. And then it's about <coughs> a maybe mile and a half drive down some you know some uh, either industrial or retail heavy roads to get to the downtown, the smaller town part of things, but part of part of Waukesha. Where you have the old world uh, architecture, this German-looking buildings. The streets are a lot more narrow than the video lets on. And he had to position himself at a time and a place where he could get the most speed on a straightaway and have the most targets in front of him without having to turn. Right. This was as deliberate, and th- that was 30 minutes for like second thoughts for a conscience to creep in. And in my opinion, the only person who could sustain that kind of plan and hatred. For such a random rampage of violence, would be a sociopath who's ideologically driven. Yeah, you know, you, you don't you don't get mad. I mean, even if you get mad and you're going to go do something stupid, if you have like ten minutes that delays you, you're like, okay, never mind. That was a bad idea. Yeah. And this guy, while he was a career criminal, and he had been busted for everything from pimping to assault to domestic violence to all these different crimes. Nothing in his rap sheet, his 50-page rap sheet, at all resembled anything like this kind of a rampage. So uh, to, to, he claims that he has psychological issues. Maybe, maybe not. Well, the, the argument it's, – It's amazing that in yeah. 39 years, even though he's had these supposed issues, he never committed this kind of a crime. It reminds me, of when, of, a, Ke- it reminds me of when Kevin Spacey <laughs> was uh, confronted for uh, sexually assaulting a minor, and he said – I'm not a pedophile. I'm gay. Uh, you know, it's a very similar situation. It's like saying he can't be uh, an ideologically motivated terrorist. He's just a crazy ass criminal. I mean, what? That's not. That's those aren't mutually exclusive. At exactly. All. I mean, it's not mutually exclusive at all. So that's not. It's just. It's just unbelievable. But yeah, uh, I yeah, I heard some things. Let's not get into the interview itself. Let's not spoil it. But yeah, right. Uh, Daryl Brooks clearly has some uh, – he had some things to say um, that were interesting. Let's just leave it at that. But, um, yeah, so so you talk to the mayor. You talk to the the uh, the local conservatives to see what they had to say. And, you know, on, on the local level, uh, conservatives are not nearly as bad as on the national level because they're just, they're just conservatives because they have nothing else to do. Um, but – uh, on the national level, the conservatives have not been very good on this. They haven't, other than Ron no. DeSantis and some uh, blue check marks that Johnny Come Lately types that were saying something. Um, by and large, they have been pretty quiet on this. Um, you know, well, just compare it to where it went when, when, with Charlottesville with Dylan Roof. I'm not Dylan Roof, um, with James Fields. Right. When that happened, they all came out, including Trump, to condemn right. it. But and here's James Fields, who's no a, one says uh, anything. The president hasn't yeah. gone there, right? Biden hasn't gone to Waukesha. And he hasn't sent any yeah. representatives to Waukesha. Um, they just want this to, to be memory hold. Yeah, and in 2012, not far from Waukesha, uh, I forget the town now, and I'll probably mispronounce it if I remembered it, but there's a Sikh temple that was attacked by a purported um, white supremacist yes, um, and, and, and shot the place up, killed, I think, uh, as many as six, as many as the uh, Dale Brooks allegedly did, and there was immediate condemnation of this anti-religious bigotry. And and you know what? Rightly so. You don't go into a fucking Sikh temple and shoot these people up. What the fuck is wrong with you? I just said um, the guy. I know the case you're talking about. The guy was a fucking moron. 
He thought yeah, he probably Muslims. thought they were Muslims. Yeah. No, he did. <laughs> oh my god. He had PTSD well, but- from the Iraq War, and uh, he went and he shot them up because he was crazy, and he thought they were Muslims. The fucking idiot. Yeah. So well, and, and there was immediate and and rightly so condemnation from uh, Republicans, Democrats. Yeah. Uh, a week later, uh, the first lady. Um, the first man, whatever his name, Michael uh, Obama, <laughs> went out there and visited, and and rightly so. But you don't get that th- here. You don't even get the the dignity of them being able to say this was an attack on white people, even though it was clearly an attack on a white Christmas parade, an almost all white Christmas parade. Yeah, by somebody who's been steeped in and marinating in this anti-white hatred that comes from BLM, that comes from the system itself, that comes from Antifa, and you know, he's got ten, ten years. Of rap lyrics and supporting BLM and, and saying all these horrible things, and James Fields and calling sends the Hitler meme to his mom. His social media, yeah, calling, calling for actual for violence. racial violence on his social media, openly doing and, so. And in turn, you have you know uh, Kyle Rittenhouse post Blue Lives Matter, and they call him a racist white supremacist, right? As if that were an insult, but you know what I mean. Um, they they condemn these things when it's convenient to the narrative, and of course they cover it up by omission or commission. When it's when it's a situation like this, but they can't do that as much anymore, right? With us, and but here's what's also when I mentioned that a lot of these locals needed just permission to open up about you know knowing this was an attack on white people, knowing that this was basically domestic terrorism. Is Greg and I sat down and talked about this? A lot of these leaders, and it happened when you guys were actually doing your protest. The police actually came out and said, "This is the time we need to heal. We need to come together as a community." You know, just all the usual uh, pleasantries, but it's like, wait a minute, you, you know, you're the mayor, you're the county supervisor, the board chairman, you're the police chief. You're supposed to be a leader. Mm-hmm. It's it's up to the people that you protect and represent to heal. It's up to you to do something about it. To get Whether justice that's for your community. To get justice. To bring yes. in the feds. You have to, to bring the it. feds in. Yes, you have to bring the feds in and get this guy prosecuted with federal charges. Um, and they 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 haven't even tried to do that. In fact, uh, I'm sure th- I'm sure uh, this is going to be edited into the documentary. Someone did call into Ron Johnson, Senator Ron Johnson's town hall, and asked him about it. They they asked him, uh, "Why aren't you pushing to get federal charges, terrorism and hate crime charges for?" Um, for Daryl Brooks. And his explanation was, well, I, I believe in small government. I don't oh want my God. the more, yes. I don't want the federal government sticking its nose in my business here in Washington. So uh, you can see where the, uh, where the shilling comes in. They use the conservative arguments uh, very tactically there. But, oh, yeah, uh, really, I, I, we, really disgraceful. We, we we listened into that while we were there, and that it was amazing that one call got through because the rest were such like scripted hack questions. Like one guy calls in and he sounded like he was setting up like for a you know something big on this about Waukesha, just by his rhetoric as he was leading up to it. Then he's like, "What are we going to do to bring those plastics we recycle in China back to America?" Oh boy! Yeah. I was like, "Oh yeah, this is this is what happened in your state. It's not a, a huge population state." You had a terror attack, an anti-white terror attack, a hate crime on this level, and you get a chance to call in and talk to your senator about it, about how you, you want him as a U.S. senator, as a representative in power in the federal government to bring the power of the federal government to bear 
Right. And you want you want to ask him about plastic recycling? Well, if you don't believe in federal in the federal government, then why are you a senator? Put someone in there that does believe in, in federal governance then to, that can represent the people of, of Wisconsin. You know, I've never actually heard it put that simply, but that actually makes all the sense in the fucking right. world. Oh, I don't like the federal government. Well, fine. No one does. Give me somebody who does. Well, it's not about liking it or not. It's well, about I mean, it exists. It needs your input and you are adamantly refusing to represent your constituents. So retire and let someone that line, wants to do it. You know? There's a line attributed to, to uh, Abraham Lincoln uh, during the first year of the war when none of his generals would uh, actually attack. He's like, if you aren't using the army, could I borrow it? It's like, right. if, if you are going to use this federal power, can we get somebody in there who's going to use it for my benefit? Yeah. And you can go fuck off? I mean, you don't have to even go into what would happen if the roles were reversed here. No. You don't even have to do it. I mean, the uh, the Democrat senator that was uh, condemning us with Ron Johnson. Ron Johnson is a master of let's go Brandon politics. But when it comes to this, he put aside all of his fake differences with the Democrats to condemn not Daryl Brooks, to condemn us for going there and demanding answers. That's what he did. So if if you want a discrediting moment for this entire system, here it is. And this documentary is going to uh, add some salt to that wound because you just go out there, you get the facts and the, the sheer apathy of the political establishment in that town. I mean, am I wrong? That that there's a, a real apathy about what happened to their to their town, but from the representatives. Oh, absolutely! It, like I said, it's all about healing and candlelight vigils and this and that. Which fine, let the people do that. But what are you? Where are you doing? Uh, what are you doing here to condemn this? To call for justice? To try to get resources in here greater than what you have in your community? Almost and nobody. What's, what's yeah. the deterrent from doing this again? <laughs> What's what, like like what what's stopping someone if if the death penalty is not on the table for 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 killing six people and injuring forty in in what may likely be a racially motivated attack? What is the deterrent for them? I mean, for blacks going to prison is like going to the club med. So yeah, you have to have some. You have to make a statement. You know. Someone else was saying this too that if if the races were reversed, this would lead to policy changes, a national conversation, new laws. This would lead mm -hmm. to debates that haven't, haven't happened before about anti-white animus being taught institutionally. None of that is happening because the Republican Party is what represents the ostensible or, or informal white interest, and, um, and they simply will not push for that. No, They're the, not they, interested they in that. They don't represent white interests. Even like there's always the dog whistling at election time, and that's about all you're going to get because they they believe the same things as the Democrats and the liberals do. Yes. Uh, they just want a low tax version. Right. Right. You know, so uh, what what other kinds kinds of anecdotes do you have from your little uh, excursion out there? Oh, God, I've got to be very careful here. Uh that's the problem with – well, one of the great things uh, about video journalism is – and you can appreciate this, Eric. Uh, you can go out. You do your reporting. You ask your questions. But then at the end of the day, you don't have to go home and type up your notes. It's yeah. all on camera. you know. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. The work is – So, so yeah. we enjoy that. And, and uh, 
I've got to be careful because I don't want to give away anything, um, any spoilers, because the guys are just doing an incredible job putting this thing together. They're going to hopefully have it within about two weeks. I don't want to overpromise, but um, that's what we're looking at. At last I was told. Um, we were just, like I said, uh, a, a recurring theme with people that we talked to um, was either they would fall back on, um, you know, we need to wait till the facts come out. And then we would like start showing them or, or reading the lyrics or, or whatnot to them and just the change on their face. Like it's real clear what this was Yeah. or they would try to fall back on. Well, you know, and I don't like to go into the religion area, but it was, it was very uh, like you wanted to have bang your head against the wall because it's like, well, they'll, he'll meet his judgment, you know, when he meets his maker and, and when he meets his creator, blah, blah, blah. And I understand that. But. Right now, just six days or seven days ago, elderly women and children were lying on the street, broken, many of them dead. This should be a time for outrage. Yeah, you, you know, know when we, we reflect and forgive later. I, I talked about this uh, on the third rail a couple weeks ago where uh, the police went up to one of our guys because, you know, Mike was doing his thing on the megaphone. And we saw the, the cops kind of like looking into our cars when we parked and stuff, looking inside our cars, trying to see if they could find something in the car visible that they could bust their balls over or something. And Mike uh, started just ripping them on the megaphone, you know, saying that they share some responsibility for what happened. If you mainstream and legitimize the alleged terrorist ideology, then you are partially responsible when he takes the ideology and puts it into action. If the police yep. are saying it's okay to feel this way, to hate white people, then why, why shouldn't he take action like he did? And so Mike was stressing that point. And then one of the cops goes up to one of our guys and he's like, you know, I, I you guys have a right to protest, but it's, it's really hurtful that you guys are saying this about us. Like, <laughs> I'm like, bro, don't kneel for Black Lives Matter then. Yeah. And don't, also, don't kneel for, don't fucking legitimize this shit. If you don't like it, don't legitimize it. You can't possibly do that and then expect us to kiss your ass. What the hell? No. What, what kind of entitlement is that? Say something. Go out there and say something about this then. If you I really feel that guilty about, having to pick up all those dead bodies and you feel bad about it, go out and say something. I mean, did any of the cops were any of them willing to talk to you guys, even off the record? Uh, I talked to like one or two off the record, um, okay. just on the phone and uh, they were nice. And uh, you know, it's, it's hard to, when somebody actually talks to you, it's hard to like resent them because you start seeing me as a human being, even if you resent right. the message. Um, from a certain perspective, I understood, I, of course I understood why the rank and file couldn't speak. But the the idea that the police chief's just gonna gonna say, I declare that there are no motives here, and also no more press conferences. It's unbelievable. It, uh, clearly, he was clearly we're gonna charge him with intentional murder, intentional homicide, and that's part of the charge, intentional um, first degree murder. But we don't actually know why he did it, and also there's no motive, uh, there's no uh, terroristic or anti-white motive for sure. And very well, I'm also gonna I'm done speaking to the press. I mean, this, yeah. this guy is a quota hire straight out of Milwaukee. He was like a beat cop for God's sakes, just about yep. when they when they you know they were like, oh, if we get a black guy, maybe we won't have trouble down the line. 
and it's just it's uh, it's always I the don't path want of least resistance yeah it's part of it's that and and uh like I, I talked off the record to the county district attorney yeah um she was kind enough to call me back and you know what I didn't even expect a call back when a you know, district attorney has a case uh they're not going to comment on an ongoing you know case period right right but she was nice enough to call me we talked for a few minutes off the record it was you know uh, i actually understood where she's coming from she's not being a coward she's doing her job right but if you're the mayor if you're the police chief if you're not out there saying we are going to find the motive we don't know the motive yet but we're going to find it and we're going to comb through everything that's out there including social media including this guy's lyrics including looking at his patterns of violence in the past what has changed in his life that you know pretty obviously the last two summers of black lives matter but uh you know we are going to pursue this and if we can find a motive a hate motive if we can find a terroristic motive we're going to demand that the federal government bring in the additional charges that could get this guy the death penalty or enhance his his punishment so that he's sitting in jail for 2400 years if you're going to do the same to james field and put him in jail for 400 years right Yes, but they're I mean, not doing that. They're not doing it. No, they're, yeah. they're running away from the cameras. They're hiding in their offices. When we went to the police department, they said he's out of town for the next two days. Well, of course he is. Of course he is. Why would he be in town a week and a half after the worst probably mass killing in Waukesha's history? Yes. Why would he be out? Why wouldn't he be out of town? Why would he be riding his detective's asses? Leave so, nothing uh, unturned. I'm assuming that you couldn't get anything out of the police chief, right? No, we couldn't even get into the office. Um, oh, they're wow. they're re- they're temporarily redoing, renovating their uh, main headquarters, and so they're operating out of an old city building that you can't even get the door to open, and you know unless you have an appointment. Right. So we tried calling multiple times, and then we just went and knocked on the doors. Is there is there like a local Black Lives Matter chapter in Waukesha? Is there something like that, or are they just all Milwaukee? Not that we could find. It was all Milwaukee. I mean, this was is, I actually don't remember seeing a non-white person when we were there. Yeah. We did see like uh, a pretty fat coal burner with a Black Lives Matter sticker on her SUV. <laughs> but that was you gotta, you gotta have some balls to have that on your car after this. Like you gotta have some real fucking balls. Like you really have to hate your town. To be doing oh, that, yeah. to have that, to be publicly flaunting that shit. Um, but yes, I, I remember when we were um, when we were doing the protest, we had this liberal woman come out of her car and start photographing us. Didn't say a word to us, and I think the reason she didn't say anything is she knew she, she was in the moral wrong. Mm-hmm. But her instincts <laughs> to be a snitch and a libtard overrode that, and she came out anyway. But she didn't say a single word to us. Because we have, uh, we have a response to people that say things like "you're exploiting this tragedy." It's like, if it wasn't for us, we would not be able to dispel some of these lies that the media itself injected into the information ecosystem. Okay, getting that quote alone, that one quote of Daryl Brooks saying the knife fight story is false, that alone completely changes the discussion around this issue. Um, well, what, so, what's yeah, what's sickening about that is when it, the other word they use is politici- politicization of the of the of the tragedy. The oh. politic I can't pronounce that word very well at all, can I? Politicization, right? That's still not right. 
Anyway, uh, they say we don't want you to politicize this. This was a tragedy, and I'm thinking I'm sitting there talking to him. And I'm saying, well, didn't Daryl Brooks allegedly politicize this? Yes. When he, as a Black Lives Matter supporter, drove all the way here from Milwaukee to crash through a, a, a almost all white Christmas parade, really? That's not politicizing his hate. That's not you know pointing out that this was a hate crime, a terror attack. That's po- making it political. I don't think so. I think that's actually addressing what it is yes. and making them face that and not letting them hide behind. We just have to heal as a community. Yeah, fine. Let the women and children do like that. that. Men something, need to stand yeah. up. Something like that crime would not have happened were it not for the politically charged environment in America right now. So, of course, you have to politicize it. If they politicize something, you have to counter-politicize it, period. It's called politics, and everything in America is political. So um, the people saying that are either doing it in bad faith or they're dumb and naive. Uh, Either way, they should all be ignored. You have to have respect for the people in the town, which, which we all did. When we went there, we're not there to exploit them or or, you know, be glory hounds or, or you know, try and and, you know, we didn't go to the parade route or anything like that. But um, we did demand some some fucking answers for what happened. Um, so so in other words, so you got a ton of interviews. So what. What would be like your your conclusion in general? I mean, I'm sure it's going to come out in the documentary, but just like loosely, like what, 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 what are your thoughts coming out of this, out of creating this documentary in general? Uh, I think. Okay, I, I hate to harp on this too much, but yeah, this whole the community needs to heal thing. It, it's not wrong, but it's stated as if this was like. The out. This is what happens after a natural disaster, like when there was a flood or a tornado that tore through the town. You know, it's something that could not have been stopped. It could not have been expected. It was just God's will. It was a force of nature. Um, but this was a man, the act of a man driven by rage. And my takeaway is, while you have a few good leaders, you mostly have paralyzed leaders. Now, whether they're paralyzed for fear of becoming the next one on the chopping block. Or because they have their marching orders to intentionally be milk toast. Mm-hmm. The actual feeling in the town is what you would expect in a healthy society, which is I know, but I can't. I, I, I know that this was an anti white terror attack. I know that this was racial hatred against white people. I know that BLM is what drove this. Right. But then they also recognize I can't say that out loud. Right. I will be painted. I don't want to be the first one in the prisoner's dilemma. The first one to come forward and get singled out. But as soon as you give them that permission, they want to say it, and even the leaders want to say it, or at least the local leaders, a lot of them want to say it. So the grip that we always considered that Zog has on the entirety of normal Americans is a hell of a lot weaker than you think it is. Yeah. And that fear can only last so long. That's the impression I got from going there is that the ordinary people loved our message. They came out of their cars to talk to us and show us support and so on. Um, and um, and they they actually want someone to represent their perspective just because the local leaders are acting like it didn't happen. Doesn't mean that the people there um, are over it. 
You know, I mean, if you, if you want to talk about healing the community, well, what could be better for healing the community than having them all sit there and watch uh, someone put a needle, at, you know, after a trial and a conviction, someone put a needle in Daryl Brooks's arm. What could be more uh, cathartic than that? That's the point of the death penalty, actually. So um, that's something that um, that we need oh. to continue pushing for. Um, and if they don't, they don't respond to the the facts on the ground that we're collecting. Well, then that's just more uh, discrediting to them as fair and impartial leaders. And part of our struggle is to, if our leader class is not credible, to replace them. So mm-hmm. um, this all works towards that goal. Um, I, and yeah, I, go ahead. I just gonna say, I think it's, it's very clear that this can be thrown at the feet of the anti-white animus that pervades the modern American system. And um, the that that the fear that keeps that in check, uh, or the, the fear that allows that to still have power, more and more people are starting to see through it. Through projects like this, we can help people see through it. We can reveal, you know, basically give permission on a mass basis instead of on a one-to-one interview. And I'm going to tell you this: I don't think this kind of thing is going to stop. We're going to see more and more of this going forward. Yes, because we don't have a system. That recognizes white people as human. a group that has interests, as human, or as human, as human, the, even. And, and 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 that's that's something again in Europe, not just in Italy, but I saw articles in Switzerland and so on saying that white people in America are second class citizens. That is increasingly the consensus, even in highly liberal Europe. Uh, and they're just going off, by the way, you know, the, the one article, one one opinion piece in um, in a magazine called um, CSM uh, was uh, saying, had the title, in America, a dead white man isn't news. David was murdered twice. And that was about David Geary, um, the, uh, the victim in New York City. And, uh, and that's increasingly what they're saying. And I think getting documentaries like this out provides because it's 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 hard to prove if they don't do the work there's no way to prove it so our job is to get gather the facts and the evidence and show it and then force a, a debate on what's going on in this country yeah. we're not going to let them move on to this uh fake uh oh white people just have to bear and grin it and uh grin and bear it sorry <laughs> bear and grin it. <laughs> yeah sorry i'm a little tired uh you know stuff like that so um yeah, the work you guys did there is so valuable and so high quality. I mean, the combination of your experience as a veteran journalist with the movie-making power of the uh, Media to Rise guys, it's such a powerful combination that nobody else is doing in this country. This style of journalism is simply not being done, especially not on the right. Oh, no, um, absolutely right wing stuff is all really shitty. Uh, conservative stuff is always really low quality. It always feels like a like a grift. It always feels like a money making scam because it usually is. Um, yeah, they, they send a reporter out to a college campus to ask co-ed girls basic questions about American history. And, oh, look how wacky and, and uneducated liberals are. Part. Yes. Let's write another another book about how dumb liberals are, how dumb they are. Uh, however, no, no book about why they're in charge 
and conservatives yes. have no power. <laughs> I bet you write that book. Let's write a book about why conservatives are completely powerless and useless. Um, so another thing, another anecdote that um, maybe you might want to talk about is how Fox News oh, God. Uh, caused you guys some problems when you were doing your, your journalism. So if you can, tell us a little bit about that. So for fuck's sake, um, uh, like I said, the first day we, we'd gotten our first interview with, with Brooks by, I think, around noon, maybe two o'clock at the latest. And we had some other interviews we had to get done, and we, were, we realized that uh, under the rules, uh, you can visit a prisoner twice a week for 15 minutes at a time. And Greg and I had gone there at the first time. And so the next day, we sent in Luca and Mason, and they did their thing. And we were going to do this every day and just kind of build a rapport over time because we thought we could get – well, we got a whole lot out of them, believe me. Um, in 30 minutes, we got a ton out of them, and I don't want to reveal anything by saying what we did or didn't get. Um, but we were supposed to have two more opportunities. So by th that Wednesday that we were there – we pull in and we ask to, you know, we ask to sign in. They're like, "Oh, well, he's he's with visitors now, and after they get done, you have to wait 20 minutes. They have to have an interval of 20 minutes. I don't know why, but that's just a jail rule." So we are like, okay. We'll go grab some lunch. We'll come back, and we get back, and he doesn't want to talk to us. He doesn't want to talk to anybody. So we go back again. In the afternoon, we think, well, maybe later in the afternoon, maybe he'll change his mind. We tried it again. We tried it the next morning. He would not He would not do any more interviews. He told them that he would not be granting any more interviews. Well, that, that, that afternoon or first thing that morning, we saw that on Fox Digital News, not even, not even the dignity of, of having Fox News fuck us over. But Fox Digital News, like the <laughs> people like, they, that they pay like the, the least amount of money to or whatever. Yeah. Um, had sent a reporter, and we had seen her exiting. We saw her taking pictures of the jail sign. And we were like, that's either some kind of legal aid or you know, coming in, might be some National Lawyers Guild bullshit. Something's going on here. It didn't even occur to us because at this point we were like, nobody has interest in the story but us. Um, but her story came out with a single photo of the, uh, the Waukesha County Jail sign. And their interview was headlined something like, um, he feels demonized. Daryl Brooks feels demonized by the press, even though he hasn't actually seen any press. Yes, so they, they let him have by his sob story. Media to rise, guys. What? Right, right. Like, and and he, so he had not had – he's in a media blackout inside the jail, by the way. Yeah. So he, had, he has no idea, but he said, I feel like I'm being demonized. And then they asked him about his mother. And his mother, we actually tried to visit her. We knocked on her door a couple of times. But um, – she had put out a statement, and I'm not going to say it was like completely condemning him, but she definitely did not do the usual black mother, my good boy didn't do nothing. Right. But rather, he's had problems all his life, and uh, I feel like the system has failed him, and yada, yada, yada. Basically kind of turned her back on him. So apparently that got him upset. He started crying. He walked off. This is according to the Fox Digital story. So these fucking idiots, these so-called professionals, get there, identify themselves as reporters – get to their second question and it upsets him so much that he walks away yeah meanwhile you have us rolling and you were nice to say that i was experienced but you know i only have so much experience but you know basically we're independent media we're the quote-unquote yeah. amateurs and we roll in there 
And he is telling us that he wants to talk to us all week. That he is enjoying talking to us. Yeah. And these fucking morons roll in and shut him down where he doesn't want to do any more interviews. I. Ugh. Yeah, I remember I like, when. Yeah. Uh, now I would. Yeah. When sorry, I heard guys. that as it was happening, I'm like, oh, you know, this is my point. Like, conservatives would be better off doing nothing. That would help. That would help politics in this country if they just stop doing what they're doing and quit and just go back to doing a uh, business or. Uh, in this broad's case, I'm assuming she was really hot because conservative women are always really attractive. Uh, um, well, no, Fox Digital is kind of like their B team, so oh, she was probably she was like a five with even with filters. Oh, okay. Well, either way, like you know, go go back to uh, you know, go 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 back to doing uh, go do whatever you were doing before. Like these people have no no journalistic um, instincts. instincts, no. Uh, no ability to really get the story out. I mean, that, that, that actually, that Fox digital story was actually pretty controversial um, because of the fact that it seemed to emphasize this guy trying to humanize him more than getting the actual story out, you know? Yeah. Um, which is always with, with, um, with people like this is always a bad idea. Not that he's not human, but you know what I mean? Uh, no, it's so, yeah. also having having no tact, having no idea how to handle people. I mean, this was pro this bimbo is probably, if not hired from you know like a I guess a second rate modeling agency, yeah, um, or yeah, I guess like I don't know some local catalog or something, or, you know, or maybe she has her degree in uh, communication studies or whatever from some bullshit university, but she has no smarts, no street smarts, no ability to deal with people. Someone, made the, I, someone I, made the funny joke. Uh, Brooks felt dehumanized by being referred to as an SUV. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. I mean, so. Um, so, yes. Uh, so the, the people from Fox basically blew up your spot. Um, yep. So that that that's all you need to know. Right. And, and, and that. My knowledge is the only other interview other than yours and, and Fox's. Right. I mean, other than yours. Fox is the only other media outlet that has interviewed Brooks, right? Yeah, that's as far as I know, and that, that hasn't changed. And like I said, it was Greg and I went in the first time, and then Mason Luke at the second time. And, I mean, the guy was liking both of our teams and was willing to talk. And, you know, I, again, he he talks a lot. And it's going to be it's going to shock you about yeah. some of the things that he has to say. But I feel like we could have even gotten more. You never know. I, 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 I'll, I'll spoil something small here. One anecdote that uh, I heard from Luca was that when he mentioned that Math Boy Fly, that his like SoundCloud rap videos were like blowing up on the internet, that his eyes got really big and he was like, "Whoa, I made it!" <laughs> oh God, yeah. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> yeah, again, that's how you. Yeah. yeah. This low IQ, feral yeah. animal. You, that's how you talk to him. That's how you do appeal to him. You get his get him to let his guard down. Um. So. I gotta tell you, there's one other anecdote. Just uh, this was Luke and Mason. They uh, found this huge Black Lives Matter mural and got video, like, because they were just driving by it. They didn't even stop. They didn't stake it out trying to like in set Waukesha. up a shot or anything. Uh, yes, there's a BLM uh, but, mural in. Waukesha. Well, it's a. I think it's like halfway between Milwaukee and Waukesha. Okay, but they were doing a slow drive by. They were not setting up. They did not like camp out to ambush to get a good shot. Uh, they got video of, of this black guy smoking crack rock right underneath the Black Lives Matter <laughs> banner mural. It's just fucking wonderful. But there is a Black Lives Matter <laughs> banner uh, flying, I think, at the city hall. Not, not wait, not the city hall. Where was it? 
Uh, I don't want to tell you lies. That is not a Black Lives Matter flag. That's the Pan-African flag. That's like a Pan Black African flag. That's, that's like the fucking Black Nationalist flag. Yeah, that's where I was going to go at. It's uh, the equivalent of having a Celtic cross outside of a government building, like a Black Celtic cross flag. Like The fact that that's up there says a lot about that area and how under attack the whites are. Yeah, and I think it's it's just... Uh, we talk a lot about how... Uh, believing in black lives matter and, and having one of those stupid in this house, we believe in sci- that science is real and blah, 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 that stupid son. Yeah. These are luxury beliefs that you're more likely to find in upscale suburbs Yes. and, and, and rich neighborhoods. And, and, you know, maybe in a few of the, the ghettos, they don't, but you're not going to see a lot of black lives matter signs as much in the ghettos as you will in an extremely high income white neighborhood. I've seen that too. Yeah. Waukesha seems like the kind of place that's more a middle ground, middle class white uh, suburb. Yeah, they're so Milwaukee that's why you refugees. Get a lot of pushback. Yeah, they're Milwaukee refugees. Exactly. They're they're the white flight from Milwaukee. Right. Right. Yeah. I, that, I, I, I didn't see any anything like I didn't see anything to uh, to suggest that they support BLM in Waukesha at all. No, uh, not at all. No, it was um uh let's again I, I want to emphasize. It was very surreal to us the first night that we went and, and walked along the parade route um, and because we had all seen the, the footage of the, the violence and the carnage. And it was very somber yeah. because we were reminded of what we were doing there, that this was an attack on our people, on our elders, on our children. Yeah. And that's what we were there about. But while we were there, we couldn't help but just notice what a, just a charming and lovely little community this was. And I, and I say it's middle class. It's got a little bit of a swiftly feel in the downtown area. But you also have like these like um, they had a joke store. I haven't seen one of those in years, like, yeah. you know, magic sets and jokes. And and they had like a gently used uh, secondhand store that was all just uh, not like a Salvation Army store. It was more like a, a found treasures kind of a place yeah. um, and, and all these nice little restaurants and coffee bars. It was a wonderful place. And the people there are really good. But I think that there's more of a middle class sensibility rather than a, a upscale snobby sensibility. Yeah, so I think they're more likely to, to open up and say like, "Yeah, I do feel like this was a, a anti white hate crime." Yes, yes, I I did not get the vibe that they were swipples at all in that town. It's definitely uh, you know kind of kind of classier, but still working class types um, in that area, and so that place is is definitely. You know, I mean, one other thing I want to ask you is that you're, you, you've given me the impression that a lot of the people in that town didn't even know about all the uh, all the facts about the case. Right. That you had to show them um, that a lot of them were still under the impression that this was, a, you know, some kind of just random crime or something did not know the politics of it. Uh, is there that much of a, of a cover up in that town? Well, I don't know if I want to call it cover up because, I mean, you and I both know that the average member of the public is not necessarily very news savvy. They'll look at their Facebook feed. They might look at a community newspaper once a week, but the average person is just not that focused on those things. Um, They knew that there had been an attack in their community. Uh, Once you you explain to them some of the details, they were, you know, wow, okay, this is this happened. This this sounds exactly like what you're describing it as. the local newspaper hasn't covered very much of it beyond, like I said, the candlelight vigils and the prayers and, oh, the memorial lighting and, oh, we're going to do this and that. 
um, and donations, which all good things, but it's not the whole story. Right. It's in your it's in your backyard. So I, I blame part on the the coverage of uh, the now I don't want to say lie the just the the news choices of omission that leave these things out. Exploring this guy's motive, pressing the police Journal, chief. Journalistic malpractice. That's the word yes. For. Yeah, I mean, you should be pressing the police chief every day. What's the motive? What's the motive? Have the detectives found the motive? You should be pressing, you know, digging into this guy's history. You know, you don't wait for the police to tell you that there was a motive or not. You look for the motive. The guy's got a paper trail. Dig into it. But they're not doing that, and they're choosing not to do it. And this is not a very busy town. It's around Christmas time. There's not a whole lot, I can tell you, if you're working for a small town newspaper, to report on in these kinds of periods of time. Right. So that should be all of your effort should be into this. Not only was it an attack on your community, but also this is a blessed respite from having to go do a story about yeah. – uh, about, you know, about the cat in the tree that someone saved. Yeah, that kind yes, of thing. Yes, or, the, or, the, or the, you know, somebody donates uh, these toys for tots or something like that. All good things that a community newspaper should right. cover too, but nothing's more important than this story. Yeah, and, and it goes to show you the media, the theory that leftists have about the media that they're motivated by sensationalism and profit is is, is wrong. Yes, absolutely. It's, it's absolutely wrong. What they're, would they're, get they're motivated the, uh, in maintaining the narrative. What would get narrative the Waukesha media. Observer, whatever the hell it's called, more attention than being the only media outlet other than us covering this case? Nothing. Yeah. Nothing would get them more attention and eyeballs, and yet they are not doing it. Now, did you, did you actually – like see or, or meet any of the journalists there were any journalists at all even remotely interested in this case like like nothing right no i talked off the record to a couple different camera crews and the reporters and no they, they were like yeah well, we're doing this but then i gotta go do a stand-up for the football game or this you know just whatever local you know type news yeah. type coverage um what was your impression from them were they like leftists were they what uh just your typical clueless Probably just out of college, not too long ago, vapid TV reporters. TV reporters are the worst. Uh, if you go into TV, uh, if you go into video journalism with a background in actual journalism, you can actually be, you know, a pretty effective uh, at, at your job. But th these people who are trying, you know, like from the day they get out of journalism school, that they want to be the local news anchor, all they are is an on-air personality. They yes. they couldn't look through a database. They couldn't do any actual real reporting to save their lives. Nine out of ten. There's always yeah. that one. There's always that one striver. But we, I, I I I literally looked at the empty eyes that I've been looking at for like 20 years in my career. <laughs> These reporters. <laughs> it's the same pairs of empty eyes that are just like I need to make sure my makeup is right and you know yeah. am I going to get stepped on? Is you know do I get my full 30 oh. seconds or do I get uh, five seconds stepped on by the weather guy when we do the transition? Right. 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 Yeah, no, no one hates the media more than people have worked in the media. That's 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 a, a, a rule that I've uh, known in my experiences talking to people. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm just um, uh, yeah, I'm just astonished by the fact that that there's no interest at all from the local paper on this. I mean, it's just it, it, it's very uh, it tells you where we're at in America right now. The, the fear, I think it's largely driven by fear. Um, that if you cover this story, you will never be able to get a promotion or work for a national paper just for covering it. And they understand the incentive system, and so they just don't. And it shows you the moral bankruptcy of people working in the media profession. And that's why uh, we, you and I, and the Media to Rise guys, we need to be a counter to that 
and have a deeply moral uh, and uh, fact-oriented style of reporting because we're frankly the only people doing it in the country, in this large country of 330 million people. The only people that are interested in this story are literally us. So yeah. this is well, something. And, and it, it goes to also show you that there's – I don't, I don't, I don't want to sound like a, um, like a news cynic or anything like that. But we could count easily once per month, once twice a month, a major anti-white incident yep. or a major story where the politics are because of the anti-white uh, drive behind it, where if we could get on the ground and get that counter narrative out there, actually actually doing the job that these people are supposed to be doing, I think that would make start to make a huge dent. A, a yes. huge change, really, in their ability to to voice these narratives. Because every time we've gotten ahead of the narrative, we've beaten them. Yep. You know, I, and I'm not just saying that the, the white nationalists took great credit for getting ahead of the Rittenhouse narrative. A lot of people, the gun people, a lot of people got behind the Rittenhouse narrative, and so they weren't able to paint him the, the way that they were able to paint others in similar situations in the past. The McMichaels. Yeah. Um, with this, we were able to get ahead of it, and this is going to start changing, especially when this thing comes out. But if we could, you know, if we could figure out a way to do this on a regular basis, this 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 narrative jamming, I think that this would be a sea change for for their ability yes. to do this. Because one thing I'm seeing is I read a lot of no, local newspapers as well as the national press. I do it so that you don't have to. Um, <laughs> all of you, I, I suffer for all of you out there. <laughs> um, but if there was, um, and I'm going to give us a couple of hypotheticals, there has been more. Um, in uh, one local newspaper that I read about some stickering on a, yep. a university campus that w and we're not even talking about you know like the the more salacious stickers it was more along the the tier of it's okay to be white type stickers um you will get more local coverage for a week and then you will get the editorial board writing an editorial demanding that there be a change and that leaders denounce this or that you will get more of that than you will of uh say uh something like this in waukesha just one one or two states away where it's similar demographics similar situation this thing is going this is not this is not an isolated incident these attacks on white people no and they're happening get, all the time yeah but there's more hand-wringing over and making sure you cover the story about the white nationalists uh putting some stickers up somewhere because it's sunk down to the local level to the local newspaper level the way you get ahead the story that's important the only thing that matters is, is there some kind of racism involved? Whitey. Is there some way to uh, condemn whitey? Is there some way to try to discredit white nationalists? That is one of the driving factors in newsrooms, large and small. And, and you see also that this isn't market driven. Exactly. It's not market driven because you see these kinds of Antifa journalists whenever they try. I remember Nick Martin, who's an Antifa journalist. He just – Spends all his time condemning, calling people racist on the internet. He started a Substack, and uh, and the thing is a fucking abject failure because there's no market. There's actually a bigger market for morons writing about let's go Brandon than there is for that shit. Uh, and so th this is something that they're very frustrated by. Like, literally, no one except Jews wants to hear it. We don't want to hear it. No one in America wants to hear about who is racist, who said this, who said – no one wants to hear it. Everyone hates it. 
The only people that want to hear it are the people at the ADL who pay you to do that, pay you a lot of money. They're your benefactors. But if you don't have a, ben a billionaire benefactor, you cannot actually get anyone interested in this garbage. And you're right. Yeah. The, the, I'm sure that when, our, when the documentary comes out, there's going to be two responses to it. One will be to completely ignore it, which is what I think they're going to do. They're just going to keep ignoring all the stuff we're doing. Um, or number two will be to literally condemn the journalists will condemn the journalists for getting the facts. Yeah. Those are the two uh, possibilities for when this documentary comes out. There's going to be a lot of hand wringing, like you said, a they lot could, of whining. Yeah. Yeah. They can ignore oh, it. But, loud. Yeah. <laughs> they can ignore it, but I don't think viewers are going to ignore it. I don't think average no. Americans uh, who are fed up with the shit are going to ignore it. And it's just a matter of getting the channels out there getting this message out there because there is a demand for this kind of a thing. Yes. And even and, though we are sent very heavily censored, our stuff is still getting out there. We're lobbing it over the wall. And, uh, you know, in the, in the, in the Waukesha case, what the way that, you know, my, my media theory on it is like you said, get the narrative out first. And when I say narrative, I'm not talking about lies. I'm talking about the facts. The narrative is the truth. That's our narrative, the truth. So get the truth out there. And then it gets picked up in kind of uh, underground telegram circles. And then it ends up in the Daily Mail. And we've completely circumvented the Jewish uh, paper curtain, the Jewish yep. wall, uh, information wall. And they, they, they've they uh, understood this. Um, so that's what drove the big deplatforming or, or um, censoring of telegram channels after this story uh, started getting legs, um, they, they, the people at Apple and Google deplatformed some of the bigger telegram channels that were sharing our story. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and that was totally motivated by this. So it shows you that we're being effective. We, we're just adapting and overcoming. And you guys made this documentary. It goes without saying, you made it on a shoestring budget. Um, so but it doesn't look like it. Not with the work that these guys are doing on it. For, it's for amazing. Video production. It's amazing. It is. This is much higher um, quality than the typical documentary out there right now. I've and, actually said this on other uh, in other places, um, but I, I think and I, I, Warren and I both have agreed on this um, separately. But um, if you want to know what drives modern journalism, and I'm talking about from your county level weekly afternoon newspaper that comes out for free to all the majors, all the prestige papers, um, you know what the Associated Press style book is. For everybody else out there, the, the, it's the guidebook yes. that provides a style by which you write, by yep. which you make certain references, why, yes. how you if do second references. If you've ever you, noticed how, how, they you, call, how they always call black criminals teens, it's because they're going by the Associated Press uh, handbook. Yeah. Style but book. it gets better. It gets better. Uh, um so this is the pretty much the Bible for most of the um, the media that's out there, the print media, the online media. And I think a couple of the prestige newspapers, the New York Times and the Washington Post have their own style guides, but they largely comport with each other. But it, the directive was put out, I think it was now two years ago, that black would be capitalized and white would not be capitalized. And as you know, you capitalize those things that you worship – and you lowercase the, the the false gods and the and the yep. other gods. You are actually showing us exactly what journal, drives journalism. It is the celebration of all things black and, by extension, non-white. 
and the denigration of all things white. And that 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 pervades all of modern mainstream journalism. And they're just working from the style book. A lot of people don't know about this. I, I've actually written about this a long time ago, the AP style book. It was uh, it was created by a man, of course, Norm Goldstein created it. And it was uh, an attempt to use the prestige of the Associated Press to uh, incentivize everyone to follow the AP style book. Um, and it's a very it's a mm. big manual it, that pretty much tells you how to write it it it, 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 it oh. tells you what kind of narratives it literally tells you the narratives that you should never describe the race of the criminal if he's black it's right. literally in there unless it's, they'll, they'll say unless it's relevant and in their case that means that's never relevant right and the associated the star book i i hate it because i know where it came from like you said and it was probably always planned to, to become what it has become to subvert mm -hmm. You know, and, and to direct the narratives, but the initial plan was we just need to standardize how news stories are written, how abbreviations are done, things like that, just for clarity. Especially if you know, like, here's a wire story that goes out to this other newspaper that uh, that, that prints it. It's going to be in the same style as what the newspaper itself does because they're all following a basic style. That's all it was meant to be, but right. it has become a politically driven thing. It's like the DSM five at this point. Yes, yes, it's completely political. And, uh, yeah, I haven't looked because they change it every year. Mm -hmm. And so, um, for example, one other thing I, I recall from years ago was to stop referring to illegal aliens as illegal aliens to refer them as undocumented people. Right. That's, that's another thing in the AP style book. And so, like, if, if you wonder why, you know, all, all, of the, uh, all of the media in America seems to sound the same, have the same perspective – they're just going off the book because not all the goys are going to know intuitively to uh, – I think that's another reason why they, they wrote it. Not all the goys will intuitively know to frame things in this way. Right, and, and that's so what I was talking about earlier. treat it like it's just another job or like, okay, this is the manual for doing my job, um, and that's what it, what it really does. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, it, it, and it goes to what I was talking about earlier about how certain words and ideas automatically get – uh, denigrating adjectives if they are mentioned. Yes. Like in the old days, if uh, a young me was writing a story about, well, I guess you'd have been a baby Eric Stryker, but uh, let's <laughs> say another version of yourself when I was younger, and I was just following the style book, I would say, uh, say yes. Mr. Mr. Stryker, who, uh, who, who, uh, uh, who denies the Holocaust, said that he blah, blah, blah. But now I have to frame it as Mr. Stryker, who makes the false claim that the Holocaust didn't happen. Right. Or he's gonna, the false claim. I, I can't respect my reader enough to be on board with the narrative to even mention what Mr. Stryker actually believes without right. having to condemn it as I mention it. And that's just you'll see also journalism. that when that's they, not actual journalism. When they when they quote us, usually out of context or in a deliberately misleading fashion. Uh, the quotes are always they, they always use words like vitriol, spew, yes. spewed. Yes, I love spewed. the word spewed. He spewed his hatred. Yes, <laughs> like I like I'm the fucking girl from The Exorcist or something. <laughs> oh my he god, spewed. Yeah. Well, and so it's also like, neuro. It's it's also neuro linguistic programming because you'll almost never see the word hate without and violence because yes. they're trying to associate an emotion or a political feeling or a political motivation with something that's illegal, violence. So it's always uh, Mr. Stryker spews hate and violence at his rallies. 
Right. Even though it's like, okay, what did he spew? Nothing. He spoke. And what did violence did he mention? Nothing. But you're going to say that he spewed hate and violence because now he sounds like a fucking criminal. Right. And everybody can condemn him. Yes. And uh, I, I, I'm actually interested to look at the latest edition of the AP style book. It's probably even more insane than the one I, I last covered. Oh, in after last summer? Absolutely. Or after summer 2020? Yeah, you it's know probably it's even crazier. And by the way, it's like, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, it's like a thousand pages long, right? It is at this point, yeah. Yeah, it's um, like a huge, it's a huge thing. And anytime you write an article, you're encouraged by editors to uh, to, to look at it before you, you write something. Yeah, and, and there, you know, there are basic rules in there that actually are good. You know, use active voice. Right. Um, don't try to find a million synonyms for the word said. Just keep using the word said. Here's some standardization for abbreviations of addresses or for state names. Fine. That's all good stuff. But right. beyond that, it's, it's garbage. And yeah. I, think you can, I think you can legally expense it at this point if we wanted to get a couple of copies. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So uh, let's get to some questions, Frank. All right, we got a uh, got a couple here. Um, Cobblestone Prude sends point zero five Libra and asks, or no, and says, uh, "You guys are doing such great work. Powerful trailer." Yeah, yeah. The way the trailer was put together is a real eye for, um, for 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 uh, getting the message across. You know, I I've never seen a, a a documentary trailer get so much across in just a minute. Really, really fantastic uh, eye for aesthetics and for putting this kind of stuff together. Very much uh, laudable. Yeah, uh, and just so great nice. production on on somebody that has yeah. done video editing and all that top yeah. stuff. Yeah. All well, right. and and Eric, you you saw the first version of the the we were gonna have a press release to go along with the trailer. Yeah, and it was wordy and lengthy, and I was just trying to get the same elements across. And they got across in that minute minute thirty, in what like three or four quotes. They got across what I wrote like a page and a half about. Yeah, so that's, I, mean, I mean that that simpleness it, is so eloquent. When it comes to the power of a message, the um, the pyramid works as follows: the, the the most effective way is through video. The second most effective way is through audio, radio, and podcasting. And the third most effective way is through print. However, it can be harder to get all the details across, which I think are very important for news, is to have lots and lots of facts and details. The easiest way to do that is through print. Yeah. Um, but all three have an advantage. But when it comes to popular uh, journalism, video, audio video is always going to, to beat the other, um, the other methods, transmitting a message. Next question. Yeah, I just wanted to real quick. I just want to point out for the video uh, uh, audience here on the the last couple frames with the with he's got like that them AOC eyes right here. Um, th this shit is yeah. fucking. <laughs> That's that amazing. Shit is yeah, crazy fucking powerful. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, we're moving on here. Uh, we got John Nada Fashwave says, "Good work, guys. Hail to Striker, Specter, and Luca. Hail NJP. Hail Media to Rise. Reclaim America." Oh, thank you, friend. Yeah, I need to get Luca on here to to give his side of 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 the uh, of the story on it. You, you need to get some nasal stuff from him too. That was this entire venture. It was dreamed up by NJP and funded by NJP. The the absolute killer talent that these guys from Media to Rise brought to it, 
and then what we at National Justice brought to it. But the entire thing was fueled by Luca brought back some German nasal snuff. Oh. <laughs> and after every break, we'd be like, and looking like oh, we're like uh, out in the streets doing <laughs> meth or heroin or something like that or whatever right. else you snort. Just make uh, sure there's no fent in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. We got uh, Hans Hansen. Uh, say, uh, one Libercoin. Uh, cheers to Trey. Thanks. Yep. Thank you, sir. Well, like I said, this was a, entirely a team effort and. Uh, we need to do more in the future, I think. For sure. Uh, we got one Libra from a forest elephant. Uh, serious question. Why are blacks so obsessed with conspiracy theories compared to other non-white groups? Um, well, to be fair, some, some conspiracy theories um, are based off of people's gut instincts. And, you know, if someone is a low-information person or someone who distrusts the uh the established media and so on which they should then they'll go off their gut instincts and sometimes that can take you into some crazy places but other times you get closer to the truth than not uh however there are also let's be frank there are a lot of whites that are into conspiracy theories too it's not exclusively a black thing it would be afraid uh unfair to uh to, to to make it like that although blacks believe in the more like uh <laughs> kind of uh you know like i mean for example you know not to get into covid but like the the conspiracy theories blacks have on on some of the covid stuff aren't that different from the ones that whites have and i i feel that this is actually um making certain elements in those communities come together um, which is actually causing a lot of alternative media to ignore the Waukesha story and that they, they see that they can break into the black market if they're selling conspiracy theories and they don't want this kind of stuff to distract them. That's part of the reason why, for example, Patriot Front were being called feds by people like Joe Rogan and, uh, and, and that kind of network of uh, uh Alternative media slash cons like uh, conspiracy theories, but also like Jew approved kosher stuff. And uh, yeah. they really don't like the fact that we exist because they see it as a potential wrench in their money making machine. Um, because not only will it cut off access to the black market or whatever, but also and when I say black market, not, you know, the black people. That's what I mean. But also, if you have to engage in racial discourse in any capacity as a white person, you risk losing your payment processor. You risk being deplatformed. You risk your, your streams of income if you do that. And so they want this to go away. They want these racial issues to go away. And my response to that is, well, go tell it to them. Go tell it to the other side. Don't tell it to me. I'm, I'm, we're only responding in the capacity of self-defense, they're the ones that are um, putting white people under the microscope and targeting them for their race. So um, you have to live in reality here. Um, anyway, yeah. Yeah, I just I would just like to add that I'll never get tired of watching black people watch magic tricks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're more superstitious and stuff. But you know, again, there are a lot of whites in America that love conspiracy theories too so um i'm not gonna say it's an exclusively black thing anyway go ahead 
All right, we got uh, one Libra from Hard Look that says, uh, Hail Victory. Yeah, I'll thank you, Hard Look. All right. Thank um, you, brother. And then, uh, as always, good old Tam with 1488. Thank you, Tam. Thank you, sir. Just came in 10 Libra. Hail NJP and media to rise. Keep up the awesome work and everyone share that trailer. Yeah. Yeah, get that trailer out there. I mean, I think it's compelling on its own. And and don't assume that that most of the people you show it to are gonna be like, I don't like these guys, they're racist, blah, blah, blah. Um ordinary people don't care about that as much as um gatekeepers do. So, like, uh, an established conservative will be more adamant about not sharing that than, say, an ordinary boomer on Facebook. Um, so we're here to take the message straight to the people. Um, and uh, I think we're doing a good job of that. I mean, how many views does the, the, the Waukesha trailer have in, in uh, two days, Frank? Was it 12,000? Do you have it up? Uh, let me see right here. Uh, Eleven five, yeah. Yeah, so nice. getting out there, it's on Odyssey. And I don't know if you guys saw this, but um, Rumble, which is like the phony the phony free speech platform, which uh, they say that, that they're for free speech, but they, they have the same rules as YouTube. You can't criticize Jews. You can't talk about race. Um, they're looking to sue Odyssey or threatening to sue them because Odyssey was saying that they use bots to – increase their traffic which as someone I, i'm not going to say either way because i don't know the facts but as someone familiar with these kinds of peter thiel oriented projects um i can tell you that i've seen uh i've seen evidence to suggest in other cases that yes they they do utilize bots um allegedly to make themselves look like they're more important than they are but um, Odyssey is a fantastic service. Um, it's uh, it's got a great philosophy behind it, and they 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 will benefit from us using their platform to get our journalism out. This is a boon to them as well, you know. So uh, it's great that the dissident movement is starting to um, to use um, platforms like Odyssey and Telegram and so on. Yeah, and and I just want to say that twelve or almost twelve thousand in just twenty four hours, and that's despite the squeeze they have on our ability to get, you know, word outside of our circles out there. Yeah, and this this thing is spreading, and it's going to continue to. The work so. speaks for itself. You know, one of the one of the criticisms that, or one of the reasons why people were calling Patriot Front Feds, other than their BMI or whatever, was um, Jesus that conservatives are like, well, if these guys weren't Feds, I would have heard of them by now, but. What they don't understand is that nationalists have essentially figured out a problem, a, a way around the problem of being able to communicate on the internet by just making real life connections and focusing more on real world um, organizing. Mm-hmm. And so, a lot of the numbers on Patriot Front are people that aren't really on the internet. They're not, uh, you know, Patriot Front doesn't have a massive footprint on the internet, basically because they're banned. But um, they can still get hundreds and hundreds of people out to Washington, D.C. for that march. And uh, and we're we're in a similar, slightly different um, way. But, you know, a lot of people 
understand that they can't get our materials from YouTube or Twitter or Facebook, so they just come directly to us. You know, for most now, contra contrast that to people who are grifters. Nobody is going to take that extra step to read your "Let's Go Brandon" article, right? No, that people will engage with that because it's there. But um, we have a very different audience. Our audience is ideologically motivated, and so they are willing to take that extra step to find us. And furthermore, our work is so compelling and so high quality that other people that are not on our side will um, pretty much uh, want to know more. And so that's kind of our, our way around this. Like they, they can't stop it. It's not something that they can just censor their way out of. You know, that, that's why they have to increasingly use different strategies and tactics. Now, um, you know, one, one, one last thing before we go that I want to bring up is I'm actually working on an article. Maybe this could be a project for the future, uh, <laughs> Trey. Um, so that, there was a, a guy last year. I'm not going to go into too many details. There was a guy last year who was killed by the FBI. He was shot to death by the FBI. Um, I've received some really shocking information about what happened before that. And the gist of it is that this guy was mentally disturbed. He was recruited out of the National Socialist Movement by, FB, by a paid FBI informant. And the FBI informant essentially set him up to be killed by the, with the full support of the FBI. So this was basically a murder. Um, so I have some some good reporting on that that's going to come out next week. Um, but I mean, the stuff I've seen regarding this case is just like blow my mind. Like the, the, the sheer amount of evil that this system represents is just like, <laughs> sure, you as a journalist know too, it, it can be overwhelming to constantly be engaging this stuff. You know, well, uh, yes and no, but uh, I, I think you put it out uh, maybe yesterday or the day before. It's got to really bother uh, all the uh, FBI types that now, even for conservatives, calling someone a Fed is worse than calling them a Nazi or a faggot. Yes. <laughs> it's more discrediting to be called a Fed than a racist. Yes. And these are people that, you know, like two years ago were flying their thin blue line flags. And it's just it's kind of a beautiful thing to see. Just the the absolute destruction of the reputation yeah. of these and we played horrible, a role in that horrible too. people. Absolutely, we played a role in that too. Dude, um, I know that you set out. You set up more than a year and a half ago that you were like, I, I want to paint a different picture of the FBI because there is a different picture that exists. Right. They, these are not the uh, you know the the square jawed heroes from the NCI type TV shows. These people are perverts. These people are disgusting. They're criminals. They are the political political police. And you know, in a year and a half, you proved it. So yeah, and again. Someone, someone someone that um, that I've spoken to uh, says that he was actually locked up with the uh, the former Soviet spy Robert Hansen. Uh, that they were in the same prison together. Robert Hansen was convicted for for life for espionage in two thousand and two. Mm -hmm. It was like the biggest security breach uh, of the FBI in American history. And uh, and Robert Hansen, according to this guy, told him straight up, he's like, well. Let me let you in on a little secret. All the top positions at the FBI are occupied by pedophiles and Jews. 
<laughs> that's allegedly coming from Robert Hansen himself. The guy who spied, who was in the FBI and spied on them, said that they're all basically either blackmailed or blackmailing someone, or it's just really filthy what goes on at the Department of Justice, but also at the FBI itself. Um, these are these are really the worst people in our country, and it's kind of scary to know uh, things like that. And he was and he was telling me also that Hansen said that. And again, this is hearsay. I can't confirm this. I'm just putting it out there for for entertainment value. But um, that Hansen told him that um, basically, <laughs> basically, um, the uh, the ADL and the Mossad give orders to the to the uh, to the feds and that a lot of the top FBI agents that that run these field offices um they 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 on purpose put perverts and deviants in charge of things like child sex trafficking uh because the perverts and the deviants at the FBI want to see the child pornography for their own uh sexual uh satisfaction that's what okay. Hanson was saying yes uh, uh correct me if i'm wrong um but i've been obviously busy in the last week and a half with the other story but didn't you have something on like multiple FBI agents caught with yep. uh, uh, CP with uh, child sexual abuse material yep. on their laptops and on their work computers? One was arrested for for one one guy named Harris at the New Orleans field office was working the child trafficking and had a uh, sex, uh, exploitation unit at the FBI, and he was arrested. When it came out that for five years straight, he was going around the country and was a, a child molester, a serial child molester. So this FBI agent was going around the country using his position as a federal agent to force children into sex, sex acts, was collecting child pornography. And he was in charge of the uh, Crimes Against Children Department at the FBI. And so just imagine how much evidence you need to be the local police to arrest someone at the FBI. I mean, anyone, if you've oh, ever God, spoken yeah. to, a, to a local police officer, they'll tell you, like, the feds are untouchable. So how much evidence did they actually have to collect? So this guy was, like, just one of the most egregious ones. Well, I think it's just the tip of the iceberg. We saw also BuzzFeed released Freedom of Information documents about the CIA, how CIA agents were – literally raping toddlers. They were raping two-year-olds, people at the CIA, and the and their supervisors would just let their contracts lapse and send them home without criminal charges, knowing full well what they had done. And that they also had a problem at the CIA because the agents are literally watching child pornography while at work. Um, so it just yeah. now occurs to me that Fed posting actually has two reasons to exist, the term <laughs> Fed posting. Yes, yes. Fed oh, my God. Needs, needs a, an AP style guide uh, um, revision for what Fed it's the Fed's own behavior that makes you want to Fed post these people. I mean, right. my God. I mean, yeah, I you're a sociopath, you have to you have to understand what kind of person would want to serve this evil empire on that level at the FBI, CIA, NSA level. What kind of person would, would actually fight? to uh, defend this evil empire. And the only thing that can come to mind is some kind of child molesting sociopathic freak 
some kind of Hannibal Lecter type making the world safe for pedophiles. Like that's <laughs> that's the only thing that I can think of, right? I mean, let's assume that there, there's some small percentage that go in there for the right reasons, or at least you know what they think yeah. are the right reasons, and they're good, upstanding people. How long are they there before they're corrupted by what's going on all around them? Because they, it's like, well, it's either you accept this, or we seduce you with it, or you're out of the club. You know? Yeah, and you know, everyone I've spoken to uh, in a journalistic capacity or in any other capacity that has had interaction with FBI agents coming, coming to annoy them or harass them, you know, the whole thing that the Patriot Front guys are feds because they're fit, totally wrong. Like the, oh my the, average, God, yes. the average FBI agent is a fucking skinny, fat, bearded soy boy. Or a dyke. Um, yes, or a lesbian. And we, we have stories on National Justice about the, the lesbian couple in the New Orleans field office, too. Because another thing I, I want to bring up is that every field office has a different flavor profile. So some of the field offices are just outright corrupt, like the one in Indianapolis that was covering for Larry Nasser. Like that, that was just like third world style corruption where they covered oh, up absolutely. Yeah. Larry Nasser's uh, molestation of like hundreds of girls because the uh the the special agent in charge wanted a position on the uh on the gymnast board he wanted a sinecure uh at uh at the gymnast board so that's why they covered it up but then there's like different types of corruption like in the las vegas and new orleans field offices which are um like more into the sexual deviance um type of corruption and then there's just uh, political style, um, you know, corruption where they, the FBI ignores mass shooters so that they can go and set up more white nationalists, right, on bogus guns exactly. or find some mentally ill person and set them up with a fake bomb and stuff. Um, so every single, um, every every different field office has its own type of, of uh, way of functioning and and its own culture. And I'll tell you what, they're all bad. They're all mm -hmm. bad. Okay. In New York city, like the New York field office, the Southern, um, in, um, in the New York city field office of the FBI is more about high, like, like uh, high level political attacks. So they'll go after Trump. They'll go after, cause they got the big wigs out there. Right. Um, you know, and so on. So yeah. And then, of course, you see the the ones in California. I forgot. If, I think it was in, in Los Angeles. That field office of the FBI went into a um, into a, um, a, uh, a a safety deposit box store and literally just stole tens like one hundred fifty million dollars. No, yeah. Remember that? I they remember, walked yeah, I remember that stole, story. Just, just stole the just money. Stole everyone's money. Proof. <laughs> prove prove it's not, it wasn't using a crime. Yeah. Well, you know what they did? They brought in a marijuana, a marrow, yeah, a drug dog, but it was for marijuana. And oh, they, Jesus Christ. So if you know anything about California, marijuana is legal there, but yeah. federally it's illegal. And so because they were feds, they brought in a marijuana sniffing dog and the dog smelled weed on the money. And they said, well, this is no evidence. It's ours. It's called the civil asset forfeiture. They yeah, haven't brought any charge. They haven't brought charges against the overwhelming majority of the people that had their money in there. No, they um, put the burden of proof on you to prove that you did not receive that money as a result of a criminal enterprise. Yes, and in some cases they lied in the uh, in the criminal complaints 
about individuals that they stole a lot of money from. So in one case, they, they accused one of them of being uh, of, 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 of obtaining their wealth, their cash through money laundering. And then he was able to prove beyond reasonable doubt that this was literally made up from scratch. So, yes, some some FBI field offices are infested with with child molesters and sexual deviants. Others are just guys that are career whores that just want to get on the board of the uh, Athletics Commission in Las Vegas, which is like, if you know anything about that, it's like the most corrupt thing in the world. Um, yeah. Others, which is actually what happened in the, in the Las Vegas field office, the special agent in charge uh, is in like this revolving door where he comes in and out of the FBI. He goes out, he works for the, for the Las Vegas Athletic Commission rigging allegedly rigging boxing matches and shit. And then he comes back to the FBI and then, uh, and then you have other cases like, um, you know, it, it's, it's all shitty. Like the whole fucking institution needs to go. It needs to be abolished. There's no way to fix it. There's no way to reform it. And you know, the fact that the inspector generals have already written tons of things condemning their practices from violating people's civil liberties in really flagrant ways to, um, you know, tolerating at the at the highest levels tolerating people that watch child pornography at work you know the the fbi and the cia uh are really just uh enemies of the people at this point. yeah and you have just produced a stunning and holistic indictment but i'm just gonna also i'm gonna finish it off with just a little bit of mean girls uh critique here oh boy. <laughs> but but i'm sorry but uh, both the the reruns of TV shows and movies that I grew up with, you know, the it was like Sergeant Joe Friday type stuff. The FBI yeah. agent was he showed up in a, a neat black suit, thin tie. He was fit and trim, serious faced, you know, just the facts, ma'am. And now, when you get a knock from the FBI, it's yeah. going to be a skinny, fat, balding guy in like a Hawaiian shirt and dad jeans. <laughs> and your first thought is. This guy's coming around to tell me that he is legally required to tell me that he is moving into the neighborhood and he's on the sexual uh, predator, right. know, sexual offender list. Right. That's why this guy's here. But then and, they open the door and they, they're, oh, here's my badge. I'm FBI. And it's just like, I, I'm sorry, but when a state, you know, when, when a power, uh, when it, you have a confident power that is a serious nation in its secret and political police, you want to, you want to project power. Yeah, you want you know so the the KGB in their day, the FBI in their day. I'm talking like the 30s, 40s kind of thing. They took this shit seriously. They wanted to project the image of power. What kind of a nation do you have when you know a guy with a pot belly and dad jeans shows up at your door and says, "I represent the power of the government." I uh, to me, that's just the Judaism of the hiding Judaism, the power behind the throne <laughs> seeping into their their job where it's like, I, well, we can't act like we're tough anymore. I, we have to act like we're I nice. You shouldn't underestimate them, though, because they are sociopaths. I mean, I, I can oh, tell absolutely. you some stories about, in one case, a guy that got that did about two years in federal prison because he was set up by the FBI over some gun bullshit or something. And he told me that they had visited him previously uh, asking about something completely, he, he had no, he had no answers. He didn't even know what they were talking about, and that the, the same FBI agent, when he got arrested, came into his cell uh, and took him into the interrogation room, and he had this big smile on his face, and he was like just mocking 
this guy. He's like, oh, how do you like it? How do you like your accommodations? Like just like a, like a Bond villain, you know, that that so they they may not look very impressive, but they are sick people. These are sick yep. Hannibal with, Lecter with types. And, and the point I always make is that, you know, it's not just one or two bad apples. Like we're constantly hearing stories about FBI agents with child pornography on their computer that are molesting kids that are, you know, beating uh, their wives after slayers parties. Yes. After a fucking cuck party, uh, um, blackmailing women, uh, retaliating against women that turn them down for dates. And, and you see this kind of behavior happening on a systematic level. And you have to ask yourself, you know, anyone that, that, that's in the know with the federal government will tell you that's ever been in the military or something that, uh, the feds have a really sophisticated psychological test that they do on you. They check your background really meticulously. They they psychoanalyze you very deeply. They put you through a lie detector test. They do all of that. So you have to conclude that they're selecting for this type of person. Yes. What other explanation is there? Somebody who's amoral, be, malleable, yes. who who uh, is not weighed down by the concepts of ethics or good or evil, right. who are power hungry or who want so badly to serve that it you know uh, it manifests itself too. in the in, in it's sadistic and it, it manifests itself both in that willingness to serve without question and in whatever kind of fucked up sexual psychoses seems to inhabit way too many of these people. Yeah. I mean, I can't even imagine in a place like even like China or Iran that, you know, someone in the Iranian Revolutionary Guard is watching child pornography at work. It just like some someone there and then would just chop your head off. The fact that this is tolerated and not taken seriously by these agencies is is a real indictment of this entire system. You know, things that are unspeakable and immoral like that. But uh, anyway, do you have anything else? Do you have something to plug, uh, Spectre? Uh, I have this little book. Um, oh, right. With, uh, I still Richard have McClure. to interview you about that. Yes. 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 That's okay. But this is this was uh, kind of a more pressing topic. And the, the book, maybe we can even wait until after Christmas when uh, I want to reignite sales again. But uh, <laughs> it, it is available from antelopehillpublishing.com. Antelopehillpublishing.com. It's opioids for the masses. It's I spent nine months on the road and several months – collaborating with Richard McClure uh, in, in writing this book that kind of takes you through takes you uh, Appalachia, through the, the Rust Belt, through all the places that were hardest hit by this. And it tells the stories of both people who are affected by it, uh, how it came to be, who the blame is upon, and some of the heroes that are still out there trying to fight this. So if you get a chance, amazing it, piece it of much. journalism. It's an amazing piece of journalism. I've been reading it, actually. Um, and yeah, and it's and it's actually more relevant than ever. I saw that in San Francisco, overdoses are up by eight times compared to 2014. And yeah. and, and one last thing before we go, like, what has the impact of of decriminalizing things like fentanyl and heroin and shit like that? Um, what impact has that had? It's naturally just increased the overdose rate, right? Well, there's there's one thing that uh, a lot of shady politicians and lazy politicians have used um, back around 2000. I think it was six, 2008. It started becoming widespread practice to issue Narcan shots to all first responders, including cops. And so 
once you had full saturation to the nation of that, like even small town departments now have this. What you have is where there's legalization or where there's just natural, you know, uh, black market trade or the pill mills or however they're getting it. You have still uh, an uptick in actual overdoses, but sometimes you will have a, a down uh, decrease in overdose deaths because they're able to get Narcan to the person who's overdosing. And they can point to it and say, look, under our watch and under our leadership, overdose deaths are down. Yeah, but overdoses themselves are up. Right. So that's more people using, more people abusing to the point of if they didn't get that shot, they would also be dead. So that's yeah. that's one of the things that's kind of hiding this. And I, right, I've this also heard that ever since the U.S. pulled out of Afghanistan, that there's a huge heroin shortage and they're making up for it with fentanyl, which is yeah, like that's, the fucking worst thing I can think of. Yeah. Yeah. That stuff is like so dangerous that like mere exposure to it, like airborne exposure, if you're close enough to a big enough concentration can right. can throw out. Yeah, and I'm sure, like, they're, yeah, they're, they're, I'm, we're not going to get into it. We have to go, but yeah, definitely read his book. Uh, it's the style of journalism you come to expect from Spectre, which is on the ground shoe leather reporting that you will not find anywhere else. So uh, definitely check out Antelope Pill Publishing and uh, buy the book. Thank you, uh, sir. All right. So uh, play us out, Frank. Uh, real quick before we go, I, I forgot oh. to check uh, entropy. We got two quick uh, statements there. Okay. Um, one from Ant. Ant from the Bronx. Uh, heard you were coming on at 9 o'clock from Telegram. Hope this gets to you. Thanks for what you're doing, Striker. Strength and honor. Thank you, Ant. Thank you. And <laughs> good to see uh, someone hold, holding the fort in the Bronx. I'll take yeah. some balls. Yeah. <laughs> to say the least. Yes. Anyway, uh, what's the other one? Um, okay. We got Ordo Nature uh, from uh, Aussie Land says, uh, God bless NJP, uh, Media to Rise, and Patriot Front. The fact that a black terrorist ran down women and children and people choose to ignore this because of racism is astonishing. With demonic yep. filth like this, never question our moral position. Hail victory. Yes, this is so moralizing for our cause and our people. We, we realize that it's we're not making it up when we say this is an anti-white system. Um, so, yes. Um, all right. I guess that's it. Right, Frank? Yep, yep. yep. All right. Play us out. All right. Have a good night, guys. Yeah, take care. Good night. Good night.